Welcome to the Knicks, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Justin Hartung. And I'm Fanny Darling. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we always do our best to let you know that they're coming. Hey, Fanny, can you believe it? Lovecraft Country is here, and we've got thoughts on the first episode. All right. As always, you can rate and review us on Apple's podcast app or wherever you're able to do such things. Uh, we'd appreciate it. We know it's been a little while, but we are back. So tell us how uh, we're doing. Or you, how much you how you're doing. Us. Yeah, anything. Um, so, yeah, our main topic this week is indeed Lovecraft Country, which we've been talking about. Feels like forever, but then again, like may feels like forever <laughs> so i don't all of our time is all screwed up here in the in the apocalypse um it's been at least 18 months i'm sorry is it and I, has I, it been delayed least. was it delayed i don't know but i know okay. that we first got the one announcement and it was at least 18 months ago i just know it i did actually read that the soundtrack was done totally like or not totally but at least in part remotely they did finish up a lot of the soundtrack oh, cool. during quarantine so it must have yeah there must have been some kind of delays because i feel like yeah we've been hearing about it for so long um it is just to give you a little heads up about what it is it's produced by jordan peele of uh you know uh, get out and um us us i was like what's the one with the pronoun that i'm suddenly not remembering um and Misha Green, who's done a show called Underground, which is about, mm-hmm. I believe, um, the Underground Railroad. Yes. Is that the correct? Yes. Yeah, I'd like to see this show. I'm now curious about it. Um, she's doing. It has a on very this. good cast. I've never seen the actual show, but I've been interested in it because its cast is fabulous. Yeah, um, and it's based on a book by somebody named Matt Ruff, who's apparently a white guy who wrote this book a few years ago that nobody really talked about, and now it's suddenly everywhere. Um, it stars Jonathan Majors, who we loved as the, uh, in The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Um, he's playing Tick, who's sort of the main character who returns home to Chicago after serving in the Korean War. Uh, with his uncle and an old family friend, he sets out to find his missing father and encounters terrifying monsters and even more terrifying racists in 1950s America. Uh, we wanted to give just very, very brief uh, thoughts up front. The show just debuted a few days ago and it's only been one episode so just kind of quickly based on this first episode do you think this is worth watching are you excited did you love it did it live up to your expectations uh puck is letting you know what she thinks i'm sorry neighbors are walking by we don't leave our houses anymore so i apologize for my irritating dog um i shortly with no spoilers just my first impressions i i am very into this uh, i totally dug it uh, it's, it's, it's tickles all of my itches and I really, really was into this. Yeah, I'm, um, I, so yeah, my, I was very nervous about all the gore and we'll talk a little more about that in spoilers, yeah. but I was sort of nervous to watch this, but also excited to watch this. Um, it, yeah, I texted you sort of halfway through it or toward, I guess towards the end. Cause that's yeah. Spoilers coming. Um, but it, I said that it, oh, it was much sillier than I thought. And 
I mean that in a couple ways that I the, the violence you said and the gore just silly. Just silly. <laughs> okay. Well, that was me just being like, oh, it's just silly. Um, yes. No, I got yeah, it. But yeah. Um, so anybody that's got to a conversation. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. We'll get there. It 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 basically for anybody who's like does not like extreme gore or whatever, like it this it is in there, um, without being too spoilery, but if you can handle the sort of monster silliness, it is fine. Um, the tone of it, I will say, also was sillier than I expected. I was thinking A, Lovecraft, and B, like, horrible, deep-seated American racism. I was expecting something a little more, not dour, but, like, intense or something. And it was very um, sort of light and lean and fluffy in a way. Um and and we'll talk. I think we can talk about that more in spoilers. But okay. I was both surprised by that, and also upon reflection, sort of enjoyed that. So, yes, this is worth watching. I want to see where it goes. Um, I'm, I'm really curious where it's going. Um, all right, now we're Here's going full spoilers. We will, but first we're going to okay. recap a conversation that you and I have had roughly 757 times now since we started this podcast. It goes, I'm really excited about insert Lovecraft Country here or whatever. Two weeks before Lovecraft Country, us, Hereditary, Midsummer, anything that we've been excited about for Crawl, anything. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid it's going to be too gory. So then I go see it on my own because you bail on me. And I say either, yes, we can see this and you agree with me. Or I say, Justin, don't watch this. And then yeah. I get a series of texts about how the person is sadistic after you've watched it. <laughs> this is, it, I can, I can, I can chart it. <laughs> it's a, it's a graph. It's, I call it the, I'm excited about this conversation. <laughs> so had you seen this before I did, would you have told me not for you or would you have said no because oh, i would have known that the gore is so silly that you wouldn't have, that it was like you know buffy levels of silly and that it wouldn't have freaked you out i would have right. said no you're fine you can watch this <laughs> the buffy comparison is interesting because i think there's more in common there than i thought there would be although i will say right. the gore is much more intense than anything you ever saw in buffy. <laughs> well it's intense but it's it's the same sort of like it does not seem real it's you know right. it's otherworldly it's paranormal gore it's you know right it's not yeah. alien it's buffy right you know right it's alien Should levels we- of intense but should we get into spoilers just so we sure. can go go full yeah. Lovecraft yes. County on the country? Yes. Keep calling it county. Not the county, the country. Um, all right. One eyeball on a Shoggoth, two eyeballs <laughs> on a Shoggoth. Wow. Th- that was the nerdiest thing I've ever said. Yeah, it really um, was. I'm proud of you. <laughs> spoilers coming for Lovecraft Country. Um, all right. We're diving in. Um, okay. You like you go talk more okay. about what because I feel like I spoke longer. What did you love about you it? Did. What, um, yeah, I actually I know that you felt like you expected it to be sort of more dour and serious. My guess is that we are getting there. I liked that it was sort of just this is something I like about Jordan Peele's feel of things, and it kind of goes back to like the the re uh 
imagining of the Stepford Wives that I watched not too terribly long ago, where it's saying something that is important and it knows what it's saying, but it is not saying in, in this way where we all have to sit down and really feel and think and solve, you know, it's instead, this is going to be sort of a, while watching it, a fun journey that you have more to see. Same as Get Out. Get Out was scary and spooky and fun and, you know, and you could go along with it, but he had a lot to say within its walls. And I can see that happening here. And uh, their cast is so good. And it was just kind of fun to watch the, you know, the racists turn into, um, you know, Lovecraftian vampires and get killed in various ways. And I enjoyed that because <laughs> they really had it coming. And, uh, you know, the scene where they're trying to get over the county line, it had actual tension in it. And it was upsetting in just in a, oh, my God, get over there because these people are crazy and they will take even one second and and you're done. Um or you're so, done either way. Like the game yeah. is so rigged. It's, it's like, so rigged. And it was time. it was so obvious there in the forest that it was rigged and, and just, okay, I need to figure out how to get myself five minutes down the road so that maybe then I can get five more minutes. And then, you know, if I can just stay ahead of this, then I maybe we can get out of it. And and ultimately they were able to, but only by the skin of their teeth, you know? Um, so I enjoyed the not super dourness of we're telling this sort of wacky tale that also has huge social commentary. And I think the social commentary will grow much, much as get out grew toward, you know, as it unveiled what it was actually trying to say. Um, Really enjoyed it. I thought that Jonathan Majors was great. Journey Smollett, I really liked as well. I always like Courtney Vance. Um, I'm excited to see Michael Kenneth Williams as uh, the the Tick's character's estranged dad come in because he's good in everything, always. He's from The Wire and The Night Of. And I can't wait to see Tony Goldwyn camping it up in whatever role he has. Cause I think he chooses really interesting parts and understands camp and actually is like, I'm sure he signed on to this. I'm sure he gave a lot of money to it cause he is a Goldwyn because it is saying something bigger and I trust him to do that. And I think that's cool. So is he the guy from ghost? Yeah. Really? He's like a good guy. I didn't know that. He's Sorry. a great guy. Yeah. No, but he's cool. a Goldwyn, but he's right. like, he, like Samuel he's Goldwyn. To- yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's. I think he's Samuel Golden Goldwyn's grandson. Okay. But he's no like idea. this really neat guy, super cool politically. You know, fun stuff like this because he agrees with it politically and wants to support these causes. And no, he's awesome. He's been married to the same woman for nine million years, and he's yeah, he's great. He's cool. a neat guy. <laughs> so I think that, and I think that he knows that he's not always the best actor, but he has fun playing either, you know, like mustache twirling type villains. And, you know, he was on scandal for a million years and had fun with that. So I'm excited to see him show up and ghost. He was like my favorite part of ghost. Well, he's a super attractive guy. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny. I hated ghost. I was not attracted to him, but I have since, yeah. Uh, But since knowing 
who he is in his real life or, you know, what he supports in his real life, he has become way more attractive to me. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, what did you think? <laughs> speaking of, wow, eye candy, Jonathan Majors. I mean, wow. Talk about another crazy shock of having seen him in Last Black Man in San Francisco playing this completely different character. Um, which, wait, have you seen? I can't remember. I always ask you this and I no. never remember. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, watch that immediately. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Because it is. Him doing a completely different role and just kind of disappearing into the role. And this, he suddenly is like, the first minute you see him, like, especially like on the bus and reading on that bench, you're just like, this guy is such a star. Like, there's yep. this crazy star quality. And those t-shirts they put him in, wow. Um <laughs> But uh, are you sure they weren't just painted on? <laughs> I know, right? I, I saw somebody tweet something about like they had to specially create super fitted, like tight T-shirts for him. And I was like, I can't tell if this is like Twitter joke slash thirst trap or something actually real. I, I, I mean, you can go out and anyway. find a kid's T-shirt and shove it on him. I mean, exactly. It was very, it was very well tailored, that T-shirt. Yes, um, it was. I will say as and this is sort of brings me to my maybe my one reservation about the show. And I but again, it's something that I want to wait and see where it goes is I don't I don't know that I felt any of these characters were super well drawn, except in that very initial comic booky pulp novel kind of way, which is clearly when you you know, hear him talking about John Carter's John Carter of Mars in the beginning. Right. That's... Um, and Jackie Robinson shows up. It's like absurdist pulp stuff and i think that's what's really interesting about the show and also made me be like oh i want to see more where this is going because there's not a lot of depth like on the surface to these characters in a way and i'm sure we're going to get to know them more and i'm curious where that goes i think that'll sort of make or break the show for me but um i i was surprised by that in the same way that buffy like i think the first time i watched buffy i thought like oh this is a cute weird show I, there's something about it I like, and I like that it's sort of addressing, you know, pulp conventions and sort of lowbrow conventions and how that can resonate in a sort of social construct. But it, as a as sort of sort of a side effect to that, it can be a little it can take a little long to latch into the characters. So yeah, like, especially him. I just felt very like I don't know who this character is yet but i think clearly we have a lot more to learn so oh yeah um, yeah and he's good and he's fun and i really liked um journey small the smallet she's great um i mean it, it feels very uh yeah it's just funny i i find it interesting that it's like this guy his uncle and his childhood friend it's sort of a weird mashing together of three main characters and i don't really know like, are these going to be the three main characters we follow through the whole show? I assume. Oh, I so. think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, but it, I think so. Just from looking at the who has how many episodes. Yeah, they're the they're the characters. OK, it's an interesting combination. I'm not totally sure I got why it was the three of them in this first episode. But I, I'm, I'm curious to see. I'm sure we will goes. find out why they didn't just throw yeah. them in for no reason. You know, right. right. Um, but I like did said, like the scene oh, where they yeah. send her running. And I really, um, I liked when she asked him why he wasn't afraid and, 
and he I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but you know, he said, I, I don't have time to be afraid and you're you're going to save us. But he, he it was said in this very neat way that I really liked that was like I I'm going to freak out about this, but right now you're going to do this and there's no question about it. And I really liked that scene and that feel between those characters. I liked that it wasn't, you know, just woman in distress and a guy saving. And I think that they are building the relationship between those two characters in a very neat way. And I, I will, I'm, I'm going to enjoy seeing what, how they do that. But I thought that scene was very smart and very touching. And I there's it. also a really good um, interview with N.K. Jemison, who an author who's a sort of black fantasy sci-fi writer that I've been obsessed with. Talked about it a bit on this podcast. Uh, author of the Broken Earth trilogy, and this was recorded before the show came out. I think it was like way back in 2019 even god way 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 back what's that year um yeah but she talks a bit about remember when we thought 2019 was the worst year ever god (laughs) but she talks a bit about um you know the legacy of of lovecraft and his racism and how difficult and yet also kind of exciting it is to sort of grapple with that um as a as a person of color or i could say as me as a gay person because he was also kind of notoriously homophobic and yeah he wasn't um, real closeted um but it it i really like that this show is very aware of the contradictions and tackles them and that's part of the fun and it's really about sort of reclaiming well and it seems like it's part of the mythos too from watching the you know scenes from next week it's it's about no this is ours and we're taking it back totally that's like take take what you love and throw the rest away which i am always on board with and it's you know we talked a little bit about us up front which is the other jordan peele kind of thing it was a big hit and we talked a lot about and that did not work for me as well as far as that that blend of kind of queasiness and freakiness and and humor whereas i think this felt more of a piece it felt less um marketing sort of yeah or something i don't so much think that i think that I mean, I see what you're saying, but I think the reason this worked more was because the camp level was up of some and the time period. You could take it and, and put it through a filter of nostalgia and you're right. not going to have that same feeling of we've workshopped this and we've sent it out, even if they haven't, because they can make this old fashioned, this old timey thing seem like they're you know it's the filter it's their camp it's it's the way that they can sell it without the people seeming naive or you know right uncultured or or having to to make fun of them to the showrunner like misha green i i'm super impressed by the sort of you know balancing act that that was pulled off there and i'm sure there's a reason that uh jordan peele hitched his wagon there (laughs) like it's very um i just yeah can we not let J.J. Abrams touch it too much? I know. I mean, can we just minute- take his money and and just? I mean, he's you know he's tied up in it. He and Peel didn't do well with Twilight Zone, so can we not mess this up, please? And the minute the Shoggoths, whatever they're called, showed up, um, I was like, oh, like it's funny. That's partly why I wasn't that grossed out by it because I was so distracted by the like J.J. Abrams let's make a great computer monster thing that it actually wasn't even that scary. Like, I mean, obviously all the stuff with 
you know, getting across the, the border of the sundown town was so much was way more totally. Cause, yeah, and, and you knew an that they were, tension, but you knew each time you knew they were going to make it out. Yeah. You know, because of course it's the first episode, you know, they're the going to get away with it, but they somehow managed to ramp this tension up of these people in this car that should easily be able to do something. And they made that super, you know, nail bitey. And then with these monsters, I think, I think they went ahead and embraced we know they're going to get out. So, you know, kind of enjoy this with them, you know, right. go with it and have this silly, you know, Lovecraftian smoke monster, whatever the fuck JJ Abrams. If you just let him have the monsters, then we're good. You know? <laughs> it's just so on that note, like I, from what I've seen in the preview, like where, where do you think this is going? Are they going to be like, is this going to be like one long road trip or is this going to be? No, oh, I think like, they get to that. I think they got to the town at the very end. Know, and right? I think that's, yeah. yeah, I think that is going to be where their last stand is. They're going to, it, that's my feeling is it's a reclaiming of some sort of magic or some sort of history. And, but the, but I think the dad's probably in that house. back in Chicago, as far as I can tell. I know. So I was like, from, what's, I'm just confused what the show is going to be. Well, I so assume exciting. we're going to see journey Smollett's, sister again so that should right. be some, some big. and i know from looking at cast lists that there are uh, people who play young tick and young other things uh, so i assume there's some flashbacks in chicago okay. as well so nice also the production design on this thing incredible just like yes yeah, beautiful i mean not that i know really what chicago 1950s looks like but it's just it was fun to look at but i hope it looked like it. that yeah exactly <laughs> i was a little confused about the geography of the united states <laughs> watching the show they were in the midwest and then they went they were in Chicago and then went to the Midwest. And I was like, isn't Chicago? Chicago's in the Midwest. In the Midwest yeah. yeah. And then where was that sundown town? I was just like, I'm a little confused where I was at any given moment. But And I think that I do think that we are not supposed to necessarily think that this is I think this is sort of a man in the high castle, Philip K. Dick thing where it's the world, you know, but it's not the world, you know, right. you know, it's, you know, I, I, I realize that was alternate, you, you know alternate reality and all of that. But I think this is the same sort of, it's the world, you know, but slightly different. And I do so. think one of the points, I don't know whether this is something that I have just been reading in the conversation around it or whether it was sort of addressed in the show, but that the sundown, everybody's got very like, I mean, I'll say many white people have the idea of like, Oh, racism exists in the South and not in the North. And right. This was very much challenging that notion of like there are sundown towns. Sure everywhere and especially well not especially but also in the north so exactly um and apparently there are still sundown towns which is insane i mean they're not like we can kill you but like okay yeah no like there's sort of unspoken i don't know it's i mean he is yeah it's mm -hmm. crazy um i didn't even want to like mention it it's like it'll come to life more in this fucking climate all right yep anything more you want to say about the show <laughs> except that we're no. excited I'm excited. Yeah. I, I think they, they, you know, they nailed the, uh, not the landing, but the, the first pass of the, yeah. the, the mat routine. And I, I really enjoyed it. Totally. I'm so, cautiously I'm, optimistic. I'm looking um, forward to Michael Kenneth Williams. Nice. I love him so much. Cool. Well, what else did you do this week? Um, well, these two weeks, well, two weeks, true. I finally got to see them that follow, um, with right. uh, which is about, about the snake handlers like yeah. sort of cult thing with uh lewis pullman who was in 
the thing where Chris Hemsworth didn't wear a shirt and was a cult leader. Um, about the motel. Oh, remember? right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Can't I'm think of that. Yeah, yeah, that thing. Uh, and he played the bellhop guy in that. Uh, Walton Goggins, we all know that how I feel about Goggins. Olivia Coleman, Caitlin Deaver, uh, Thomas Mann, and um, Alice Englert, who were both in Beautiful Creatures, which is based, which is a movie based on a YA book that never took off, but was actually somewhat fun and campy and had Jeremy Irons in it. So this cast is frigging and comedian guy, sort of red haired, square jawed, tall. That's not going to help you a lot. You would know him <laughs> if you saw him. He's in a bunch of stuff. Anyway, he's in it too. And it's this movie is way quieter and smaller than I felt. The previews for this movie made it feel like that it was way more about being a cult and the cult aspect. And it's really just sort of a quiet, like Appalachian Mountains type story that is kind of just a, a small, like, love triangle. Do I go with the man who is in my church and that my church and my father want me to marry, or do I follow my heart? And I sat here. I really liked it. I thought it was extremely well acted. It was a small little story. I think if you don't go in expecting it to be, you know, some, some bigger story about, you know, a cult, then you won't be disappointed. It has a kind of uh, winter's bone, small feeling to it. Um, nice. Caitlin Deaver is great. Olivia Coleman is fabulous. Goggins, Pullman, and uh, Thomas Mann are all really good, too. So is Alice Englert, but I think she was overshadowed by the fact that the rest of the cast was so amazing. Um, I did, in, and that's on Amazon Prime right now, so it's free if you are an Amazon Prime subscriber. Um I did that, and then over the course of, I don't know, seven days, I rewatched all of Six Feet Under. Oh, my God. That is so impressive. <laughs> it was a little obsessive and also a little escapist. I, this is still, this series is really, really good. And it's amazing to me how many people who went on to have big careers had little roles in this. And... Everybody in it is so good. Lauren Ambrose is amazing. Frances O'Connor, are you kidding me? And I'd forgotten Glenn Headley was in this. I remembered Kathy Bates, but I didn't remember that she had such a big role and that she's directed so many of these. I'd, I had no idea until I started watching the credits that Jill Soloway was a writer, a director, a producer, and then an executive producer on this show. <laughs> yeah, that's so crazy. Um, and it... The finale remains, I think, hands down the best series finale of any show I have ever seen. It, so good. You can watch just the finale alone and you won't be lost and you'll be satisfied. It's a small little movie. You'll understand everything. It has the absolutely beautiful line of you can't take a picture of this. It's already gone. So good. Ah, so I recommend going and rewatching Six Feet Under. It's fun. It's good. Everybody in it is great. Um... I started reading The Silent Wife by Karen Slaughter. Karen Slaughter, these are, uh, they're kind of procedural mysteries uh, about, and this is the 10th entry in this series about a Georgia Bureau of Investigations uh, 
agent named Will Trent, and he has a tiny little chihuahua named Betty that he got stuck with when his neighbor went into an old folks home. And I really like these books. They're very fun. They are not, they're not high art, but I enjoy them. They're decently written. They're fun little procedurals. So I, and it's something that I have been able to read for the last four days. So I'm happy with that. And that nice. is all I did because school has been back for the last two weeks. And I haven't done, I haven't even had a brain. So and we're distance learning with all the kids, but we had to set up with all the families. It should start to calm down soon. And I should be able to be a human being again, but it's been a rough couple of weeks. That is a good list though. What'd you do in pop culture? So I, this last two weeks, watched a bunch of crap, some good stuff, read a couple of books. Um, I watched Host on Shudder. Um, I actually thought I'd canceled Shudder a long time ago and then realized that I still had it because I think apparently I had signed up for a year and I ain't getting that money back. And so we have Shudder, apparently. If you want stuff on Shudder, I'll give you my login. Um, I don't know how that happened. It's What's done is done. It's not worth fighting because occasionally I'm like, oh, there's something on Shudder I want to watch. Host is the, from all accounts, the first movie filmed in the pandemic. It is a Zoom horror movie. Um, it is a nice, like, 60-something minutes long, which I appreciate. Um, it is about people during COVID who decide to have a seance online on Zoom. Kind of a fun idea. I like it. Um, basically, everything goes wrong, as you can imagine. There's a lot of looking over your shoulder and the darkness on the Zoom. Um, it is way better than you'd expect it to be, um, but also descends into like utter silly found footage nonsense. Um, but I don't know. I appreciate they actually work in COVID as like an actual plot point. Like at one point somebody is like, I'm outside your window and they kind of bring the computer and wave and then they sit back down. And then at one point somebody wants to go check on their friends. So they like break into the window, but with like a mask on, it's all very like COVID, which it's interesting. And um, that reminds me of something that I, when you're done, something that I read or listened to audiobook wise that is COVID related. So interesting. You conti- uh, continue talking. Okay. Um, so silly, whatever. If you got shut or watch it, don't seek it out. Otherwise, um, I finally caught up with pen 15. Um, yeah. Right. Write that down and look at that and see what it says. Um, this is a show I'd heard about a lot last year when it debuted and sort of thought, eh, that sounds kind of stupid. I don't know. Like what, what is, I don't, why would I want to watch a bunch of 30 year old women like playing eighth grade versions of themselves amongst other actual real eighth graders? That sounds insane. This show is insane and it's really funny and really sweet. And the two leads, um, I'm forgetting their names, but they met at NYU apparently and just became best buddies and just connected sort of talking about the horrors of junior high. Um, it definitely dabbles in the horrors of junior high. So you kind of have to be ready for that. Um, but it is very funny. It's very sweet. There's an episode about uh, them finding a thong from sort of a more like advanced eighth grader that's wearing a pink, hot pink thong and in sort of a riff on the secret sisterhood of traveling pants they pass this thong back and forth that makes them feel super empowered and groovy and they keep 
trying to return it as suspicion circles around them and then decide, no, we'll return it tomorrow. It is a brilliant piece of writing. It is so funny. Their reactions are so good. I also, the the kid, the actual eighth grade kids in this show are so funny interacting with these three-year-olds. It's just like, I've laughed harder at this than I've laughed at anything in ages. And my husband, Dave, who is not usually somebody that connects with me on new television comedy is now catching up on all the episodes he missed and is like howling with laughter. There's something just very funny and very sweet about it. Pen 15 second season is starting in like two weeks. So it was good timing. I'm glad the the algorithm gods pushed it towards me. Um, Also, I watched. Are you accepting the AI as your friend? Is that what's happening? I guess. Do you, for one, welcome your robot overlords? I mean, if they give me more Pen 15 like shows, sure. I'll take it. Okay. It's your Hulu. It's your your robot god. (laughs) Um, Also, I watched a bit of She Dies Tomorrow, um, a movie that has been getting a lot of buzz. Uh, Just went to uh, video on demand. I rented it. Dave had watched this movie and was a little high on it. I watched it and made it through about 20 minutes and thought it was the most pretentious piece of garbage I have ever seen. It has, well, that's a little strong, but it's pretty damn pretentious. Um, It is about a woman who suddenly... He doesn't listen to this podcast. It's okay. (laughs) Becomes convinced that she's going to die tomorrow for no real reason that we know of. And that notion becomes a virus. Uh, Jane Adams, an actor that I like a fair amount, is in it yes. as her sister. Chris Messina is in this. It's oh, sort of yeah, this I remember this existential I remember for this. Yeah. art house horror yep. movie. Yep. Um, it just didn't totally work for me. I don't know. Maybe it was in the wrong mood. Maybe I didn't want to think about um, everybody dying tomorrow because that feels a little, Imagine. I don't know. Just a little triggering right now. Um, so I, I'll reserve judgment. I doubt that I'll watch it again, but maybe I'll try it in a better day. Um, I watched Tread, a Netflix documentary. It is insane. It is about the true story of a guy in Colorado in 2004 who just sort of builds up grievances against this town that he's trying to open a business in. It escalates, it escalates. It sort of starts on his side a little bit. You think, oh, this guy's not too crazy. Like the town's being kind of an asshole to him. Um, It goes crazy to the point where he builds, he has a bulldozer that he turns into a tank, like a tank out of like a kid's like drawing book, like terrifying tank. Um, It's like totally armor plated with like gun turrets and everything and drives around the city, destroying all of the buildings of his enemies and perceived enemies of which there are quite a few. He does insane amounts of damage. It's as terrifying and horrible as it is. There's like a certain part of watching this news footage where you're like, Oh my God, this is like when you're a kid and you destroy buildings with your like truck. Um, I was just about to say mood. (laughs) totally um but it is awful fortunately nobody died except him spoilers he shoots himself at the end um but (laughs) oh yay fanny you should watch it no 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 i mean it's it's funny like this is a movie that i'm surprised the coen brothers or i don't know somebody didn't get their hands on to make 
some sort of small town rampage movie. Like, thank God it wasn't like Michael Douglas in the eighties with that terrible falling down movie. It is sort of like the real fall. It was down the first story. thing I thought of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this guy left a tape as well. So there's a lot of his own words and, and yeah, it's, it's bananas. It's crazy. I can't say it's a good movie or like helped me get through my moments in any healthy kind of way, but I also was riveted by it. Um, I also watched Skate Kitchen on Hulu. This is the movie um, that inspired the show Betty on HBO, which I've been raving about. Um, it is Crystal Moselle's film about most of these same skater characters from Betty. Um, and she just met them one day on the streets of New York and decided to do this documentary and sort of built this loose narrative. Jaden Smith is in this, in the movie. He didn't end up in the show. He's quite good. He's this sort of this photographer skater and he actually really skates and hangs out with these people. So it was all very sort of organic and natural. Um, it's got, if you've seen Betty based on her recommendation, because of course, why wouldn't you? Um, it has a little of the same story elements, but sort of in a different configuration, but you can watch it. If you liked Betty, you can watch it. If you haven't watched Betty, you can watch it first. It's sort of like lots of short stories set in this universe, which I really like. Um, also I've talked about this endlessly. I love the way that crystal Moselle, the director films, these young women skating. I've, I'm like, when I'm stressed out at night and I wake up, I like imagine it in my head and it calms me down. So um, thank you for that, Mitch Christel Moselle. Um, books. Oh, wait, no, I got one more show. Infinity Train, season three. Um, it has launched on HBO Max. I'm so excited about it that I have learned how to airplay from my <laughs> Mac because that's the only way that I can watch it. I have an old Apple TV, which apparently cannot add apps on, which by the way, that's a fucking next Apple TV, like not letting me. Well, add. That was like what five years ago, Justin. You can't what? nix something that doesn't exist anymore. I don't know, but like if you had no, an you iPhone just... from five years ago, wouldn't you be able to add it most wouldn't... apps to it? No, not necessarily. No, probably not. Know. Maybe not. Maybe they... it's. Maybe I'm being cruel here. Um, anyways, <laughs> I found a way to watch Infinity Train season three. It is wonderful. Um, it follows a whole new group of characters, including um, the woman from The Good Place. I'm forgetting her name. John Darcy Marie. Corden? No. Uh, she played Chidi's other girlfriend for a minute, the scientist. Oh, yeah, I don't remember her yeah, name. Who's great. We loved her. So she's the main character who does the voice in this one. Um, it also stars this woman, uh, Diane Delano, who was in she does a character in pen 15 which is funny i was like I'm, she's having a week for me um she plays a gender queer um giant gr kindly gorilla mother with um tubas on her shoulders and the gorilla's name is tuba and it's lovely and i love the show so much it's so weird it's so strange it's so queer um it's great and it's halfway through the first season they're dropping the other half in the next couple of weeks um it's on HBO Max. If you like animated shows, if you like Miyazaki, if you know, you're just wanting to escape down a rabbit hole of surrealism and people finding themselves and figuring out what they <laughs> want to do in their lives. It's, it's a perfect, perfect show. Um, books. I read a book that was recommended to me by Karen Hughes. Thank you, Karen. Shout out to you. Um, a long time ago in a cutting room far, far away. This is Paul Hirsch's, 
memoir about his life as a very successful film editor in Hollywood. He worked a lot with, sorry, Fanny Trigger, Brian De Palma, uh, George Lucas, um, a lot of uh, big movies, uh, Steel Magnolias. Um, he did, and then, but then he also did like Adventures of Pluto Nash. He had some real turkeys too. Um, so it's a real fascinating look at like what an editor does in film and sort of I learned a lot of stuff about the process, his frustrations with that, his excitement about that, how different directors work differently. There's also just a lot of very fun, silly Hollywood gossip. I enjoyed this book. Oh, and Star Wars. Yeah, I forgot to mention he edited Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, but not Return of the Jedi because they apparently, the British director of that had his own British editor. So there you go. Um, I also now am reading a book called Kesher in the Rye. Get it? Kesher in the Rye, written by Moshe. I don't get Kesher. it. Uh, the guy's I, I don't get Kesher. it. It's the, it's the I, author. I don't get it. <laughs> the subtitle of this book, which will tell you pretty much everything you need to know about it, is The True Tale of a White Boy from Oakland Who Became a Drug Addict, Criminal, Mental Patient, and Then Turned 16. Um, it is. Of course. Uh, sorry. Uh, what? <laughs> What was that about? Men turned 16 because he had like this horrible young life. Well, okay. Okay. You're about to eat a little bit of crow. But eh, whatever. He, it's an interesting book. He is this kid who, from a very young age uh, in Brooklyn, had two deaf Jewish parents. They had a horrible divorce. They moved to Oakland. He went to like school in the Oakland Flats where he was the only white kid, um, was very insecure, got beat up a lot, started doing drugs. Meanwhile, his father became a Hasidic Jew in, in Brooklyn and frequently flew him back to like try and indoctrinate him to the Hasids. This is, again, a memoir. Um, this is all real shit that's happened in this guy. Um, it's somebody who grew up in the Bay Area. It's a fun read of it's certainly a different reality than I think either you or I had in the Bay Area. Um, but, you know, and, and to your point, it is a little like he goes for the joke every time and you're like, this is a crazy fucking life. Like, really interesting life. You have so much interesting insight on what it's like to have two deaf parents or being the only white kid in the school. Just, you don't have to go for the shock value. So your point is a little conceited, but I still think it's actually a book worth reading. Um, that is I didn't Kesher. say it wasn't worth reading. I just said, oh, look, and then you go for, oh, and then I turn 16. It's right. it's a little expected. Yeah. That's all. That's a wild story. You're like, what? why are you, he's in a mental institution in like eighth grade. It's crazy. Um, but memoirs, man, memoirs and yeah, that's my thing. So if you got memoir recommendations, send them our way. We would love that. I would love that. Um, I'm like kind of, I'm taking a little break from novels right now. Okay, quick book thing that I read that, that goes into to COVID. It's not a memoir, but Ben Winters, uh, who wrote the last Policeman series who that I really liked. You, may, you might like those. Okay, um, I'll check them out. Uh, anyway, he wrote three short not uh, novella length probably stories about different it's called uh the inside job which inside means that you're you know trapped inside right um and one is basically these mob people trying to set up a heist and the zoom calls that go Ooh, in cool oh, it's I love very that. it's i i listened to it on audible it's fun to listen to it that way there are three stories about inside jobs based and they don't ever say the words covid but it's quite a, you know it's you know what it is. And 
anyway, it's kind of fun. Ben Winters, Inside Jobs. Uh, I would recommend listening to the audiobook because it's sort of amusing. The guy does good voices. And nice. It's so fun. It's almost like radio play-ish when you listen to it that way. That's all. Nice. Sorry, I had just forgotten about that till you talked about the COVID horror movie. So <laughs> Totally. Um, anything else or should we wrap it up? Um, is that all you had? Oh, no, yeah, yeah. And then turn 16. Yeah, I think that's all we had. Sorry, I was looking at the doc. <laughs> I have nothing new. Sorry. I was waiting for you to play a song. I know. I was waiting for you to play a song. I got no music. I don't know. Okay, do so if musicians. you... <laughs> yes, do better musicians. And if you know musicians that are doing better, you can tell us on Facebook at the next podcast. Actually, you can't tell us on Facebook because we're not on Facebook because we're boycotting Facebook. I forgot. I should take that out of the dock. You can find us on Twitter at the next podcast. Uh, you can send us an email. We like email. Email seems relatively not corrupted at this point uh, at emotion to Nick's at gmail.com. You can find me at Fanny V darling on Twitter. And I'm kind of back on Twitter at Justin oh, Hartung no, on Twitter, okay. but I'm very quickly reassessing that. But kind of not. <laughs> yeah. And you can go look at our Twitter right now and see my melted cats who do not want their living room to be a recording studio anymore. So yes. it's a cute picture. And we promise a very cute picture of uh, your dog, Park. Uh, wow, your dog, Parker? No, your son, Andrew Dog. Yeah, welcome Puck. to my life. Yeah, welcome to my yeah. life. My dog is Puck. My son is Parker. Nobody gets yeah. called by their right name around here. <laughs> exactly. All right. We'll see everybody, I don't know, soon, in the next couple of weeks, certainly. Sounds good to me. Bye. Bye.